Welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Thursday, June 13th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, how McDonald's workers are shaping the primary, Sanders defines democratic socialism and recalls FDR's New Deal, and the DNC releases the official list of who's in and who's out of the upcoming debates. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. One of the pleasant surprises of this primary for me has been how visible the workers at McDonald's restaurants have been. Back on May 24th, I covered the McDonald's strike. The key story there is that a group called $15 and a Union is demanding just that, a $15 minimum wage plus a union for McDonald's workers. They've been at this for seven years, and their work is supported by the Service Employees International Union, or SEIU. And, by the way, that strike effort is also tied to a series of sexual harassment lawsuits and Equal Employment Opportunity Commission complaints by McDonald's employees against the company. On Twitter, the Fight for 15 campaign wrote, quote, McDonald's employees have filed more than 50 sexual harassment lawsuits and EEOC complaints in the past three years. We won't stop marching and protesting until McDonald's puts an end to the sexual harassment we experience in their stores. End quote. So, we have three key issues here. A minimum wage hike, a union effort, and a sexual harassment problem. Okay, as I reported in late May, we saw Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Bill de Blasio, and Jay Inslee appear on picket lines with McDonald's workers. Though, by the way, technically Booker actually called in via phone, but still. Bernie Sanders went a step further, holding a town hall with McDonald's workers and streaming it live. He also emailed his campaign list and asked them to join the striking workers on the line. That is a genuinely unusual thing for a candidate to do. Other candidates announced their support online, including Steve Bullock, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, and probably a bunch of others whose tweets I missed at the time. Well, it didn't stop there. Before appearing at the Iowa Hall of Fame event on Sunday, Bernie Sanders marched with the Fight for 15 workers in Cedar Rapids. I mean, literally, he and other protesters carried a giant yellow sign reading Unions for All at the head of a long line of protesters estimated in the hundreds. They carried that thing all the way to the event where Sanders went inside and the protesters remained outside, reportedly chanting, quote, no middle ground, end quote. And now there is even more engagement from 2020 primary candidates in this effort. On Tuesday this week, eight senators, including four primary candidates, signed a letter urging McDonald's to deal with its sexual harassment problem and to require action from its franchisees rather than simply encouraging it. The candidates who signed are Senators Harris, Klobuchar, Sanders, and Warren. In the letter, the senators asked eight pointed questions of McDonald's CEO Steve Easterbrook. Let me read one example. Quote, three, you have stated that over 90% of owner-operators and general managers have completed the third-party interactive training that the company recently launched. If an owner-operator refuses to complete the training, will that owner-operator risk losing ownership of that location or be barred from purchasing future McDonald's franchises? End quote. And here's how the three-page letter concluded. Quote, Owing to the importance of this issue, we respectfully request that you submit answers to our questions no later than Monday, June 25th, 2019. Addressing this issue is paramount for workers across the country. The McDonald's Corporation must make every effort to guarantee a safe workplace for all workers who wear a McDonald's uniform. We expect your prompt reply to these questions and look forward to continuing to work with you to advance the safety of workers. End quote. 
So, Monday, June 25th, eh? Well, I don't want to be a calendar snob, but June 25th is actually a Tuesday. And it happens to be one day before the first Democratic primary debates. Hmm, I wonder whether this issue will come up. I really hope it does. Okay, so this Friday, June 14th, the strike comes to Las Vegas. Senator Kamala Harris will join striking workers there. Reading from an article from NBC3 News Las Vegas, quote, Workers across Nevada will walk off their jobs Friday and march for the right to a union, which organizers say would be the best way to raise pay as well as call for an end to sexual harassment and workplace violence. Isabel Contreras, a Las Vegas McDonald's worker, said, With my job at McDonald's, I am supporting my two daughters on $9.25 an hour. My husband and I can't afford health insurance, and I'm always worried that one of us will get sick. End quote. All right, and then on Sunday, another McDonald's strike happens in Charleston, South Carolina. Reading from an article in The State, quote, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, and former U.S. Representative Beto O'Rourke of Texas will join the lines with workers fighting sexual harassment, low pay, and violence in the workplace, according to the statement from the Fight for 15 campaign. The march will begin after O'Rourke arrives at a Charleston McDonald's around 8.45 a.m., according to a statement from O'Rourke's campaign. O'Rourke will address the crowd at the fast food restaurant before taking to the streets. End quote. And of course, that's not all. One more line from that same piece. Quote, Buttigieg will be joining the strikers later in that morning in front of the Charleston Music Hall, where he will also speak his campaign confirmed. End quote. And then Buttigieg and O'Rourke will join Booker and Warren at an event hosted by the Black Economic Alliance in Charleston. So you're going to have four candidates involved in this effort in one place on the same day that two of them just did some stuff about it. So look for this issue to continue as we get deeper into the primary campaign. It is a fascinating mix of three issues, a $15 minimum wage, unions for retail workers, and corporate response to sexual harassment. All of those are key for Democratic contenders. So expect to continue seeing candidates on the picket lines. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Yesterday, Senator Bernie Sanders gave a speech at George Washington University. In it, he did two key things. First, he defined what democratic socialism means in his own words. This is a response to popular opposition talking points about the democratic field leaning towards socialism, which Sanders sees as a scare tactic. 
The second thing Sanders did was introduce what he calls the 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights. We're going to cover that too, but first, let's talk about the democratic socialism part. So in case you haven't heard, Sanders is not a registered Democrat, though he is running to be the Democratic candidate for president. Technically, Sanders is an independent, and he self-identifies as a democratic socialist. But it's clear that he sees an issue with the general public's understanding of what the heck that means. So he held this speech yesterday to explain it. In the show notes, you will find a link to the entire video, as well as a link to the full text of his prepared remarks. Now, because the speech went on for 45 minutes, I'm going to be somewhat selective about what I focus on here. The first thing his speech did was lay out his view of the current situation in the U.S., and then he placed it in both a historical and global context. At one point, he made a particularly notable comparison between his own campaign platform and President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's effort to implement leftist proposals in order to build up the power and security of working people in America, a.k.a. the New Deal. I'm going to play a clip that starts about 15 minutes into Sanders' speech. Listen in. Like today, the quest for transformative change was opposed by big business, by Wall Street, by the political establishment, by the Republican Party, and by the conservative wing of FDR's own Democratic Party. And he faced the same scare tactics then that we experience today. Red baiting, xenophobia, racism, and anti-Semitism. In a famous 1936 campaign speech, Roosevelt stated, and I quote, we had to struggle with the old enemies of peace, business and financial monopoly, speculation, reckless banking, class antagonism, sectionalism, war profiteering. They had begun to consider the government of the United States as a mere appendage to their own affairs. We know now that government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. And Roosevelt concluded, and I quote, never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. That was, that was FDR in 1936. Now, despite, although it does sound, I must say it does sound a little contemporary, doesn't it? <laughs> despite that opposition, by rallying the American people, FDR and his progressive coalition created the New Deal, won four terms, and created an economy that worked for all and not just the few. 
Then he launched into a detailed explanation of how, essentially, FDR's New Deal plan is a starting point for understanding what Sanders believes is democratic socialism. He also explained how, after the initial popularity and success of the New Deal, people on the right wing managed to regain control and weaken parts of it. Later in the speech, Sanders said, quote, It is my very strong belief that the United States must reject that path of hatred and divisiveness and instead find the moral conviction to choose a different path, a higher path, a path of compassion, justice, and love. It is the path that I call democratic socialism. Over 80 years ago, Franklin Delano Roosevelt helped create a government that made transformative progress in protecting the needs of working families. Today, in the second decade of the 21st century, we must take up the unfinished business of the New Deal and carry it to completion. End quote. Then, toward the very end of the speech, Sanders laid out his plan. He said, quote, Today I am proposing a 21st century economic bill of rights. A bill of rights that establishes once and for all that every American, regardless of his or her income, is entitled to the right to a decent job that pays a living wage, the right to quality health care, the right to a complete education, the right to affordable housing, the right to a clean environment, the right to a secure retirement. Over the course of this election, my campaign has been releasing and will continue to release detailed proposals addressing each of these yet-to-be-realized economic rights. End quote. This is essentially his version of FDR's New Deal, but for the modern era. I'm going to quote now from an exchange on National Public Radio last night. There are two speakers here, so I will introduce each one of them as they speak. Quote, Mara Eliasson. So, those are all the things that Sanders wants to do. He'll have to explain how he's going to pay for it all, and he'll also have to answer attacks from Trump that this all amounts to a huge government takeover of everyone's lives. Audie Cornish, what is his reply to that criticism? Liason, well, he answers by saying those attacks are hypocritical because of the Wall Street bailouts, because of tax cuts, and subsidies for corporations. Here he is, end quote. And then they played this clip, which is also how I will end this segment. Listen in. While President Trump and his fellow oligarchs attack us for our support of democratic socialism, they don't really oppose all forms of socialism. (laughs) They may hate democratic socialism because it benefits working people, but they absolutely love corporate socialism that enriches Trump and other billionaires. After months of speculation, the DNC today released its list of who will make the debate stage 13 days from now. This is a huge inflection point because it demonstrates whether math and tracking being done by the media is actually in line with the internal procedures the DNC has told us that it is using. Leading up to today's release, the DNC said that candidates had until 11 a.m. today to submit their final fundraising numbers, and their list of qualifying polls closed at midnight last night. In an article yesterday at 538, Jeffrey Skelly predicted that precisely 20 candidates would meet the polling threshold, with 14 of them also meeting the donor threshold. If his prediction is correct, it would mean there's no need for tiebreakers because there are precisely 20 slots on the stage spread over two days and 20 candidates qualify. The candidates on his list who did not meet either criteria were Bullock, Gravel, and Moulton, and personally I would add Wayne Messam to that list 
but 538 does not currently consider Messam to be a major candidate. And one more thing before I get into the results, which is how Skelly explains the DNC's plan to use polling numbers in order to put candidates into two broad categories, and then poll names equally from each category for each night. The idea there is to spread out the upper tier of candidates and the lower tier in a relatively fair way. So no, there will not be a kids' table at this debate. Reading from the article, quote, The mix of polls matters because the DNC is using them not only to decide who makes the debates, but also in how to group the candidates between the two nights. The draw, which the DNC plans to do this Friday, will not be completely random. Participants will be selected from two pots of candidates, one with participants who averaged at least 2% among all qualifying polls, and one with the remaining candidates. The debate fields will then be set by random draws from the two pots to fill up 10 spots for both nights. And based on our average of the qualifying polls, eight candidates are polling at 2% or more. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, and Amy Klobuchar. By using this approach, the DNC will avoid having all the leading candidates appear on stage the same night, though there's still a chance that the very top candidates, such as the two poll leaders, Biden and Sanders, will appear in the same debate. End quote. So, just to reiterate, because it is very easy to mishear or misunderstand what was just said, this plan is a clear attempt to spread out all the candidates across the two nights in a fair way. However, the nature of randomness always makes things interesting. Okay, so the moment you've all been waiting for. Did the media get it right? Did the math match up? Have our predictions been on track? I don't have a drumroll sound effect or I would be using it right now. Well, I hate to do this to you, but the DNC did not actually release its list by press time. So, you know, this podcast comes out at 5 p.m. Eastern at the latest, and I am recording this little pickup segment at 4.35 p.m. because the DNC did not release that list in time. They didn't even tell us when they plan to release it, just sometime today. So I will just have to report on that tomorrow. I'm sorry, folks. Having said all that, I am pretty confident that there will be no surprises here. So here's the list of candidates that I am pretty sure will qualify in alphabetical order. Michael Bennett, Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Julian Castro, Bill de Blasio, John Delaney, Tulsi Gabbard, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, John Hickenlooper, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Tim Ryan, Bernie Sanders, Eric Swalwell, Elizabeth Warren, Marianne Williamson, and Andrew Yang. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Primary Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter at Chris Higgins. All right, the heat wave is breaking, and in today's brief installment of Yarden News, I'm going to get out there and deadhead all the flowers before the hot, hot sun gets too intense. I got my hat, I got my little tiny garden shears, I got some sunscreen that now I'm worried about because I read an article one time, and I am ready to do this incredibly low-stakes job. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.